Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching nearly 1,000 comedians and canting over the last 46 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's the wonderful Mr. Alex Lowe. Yes! Thanks, Rich. Hello, mate. How are you? <laughs> oh, great. Thanks. How are you? I'm all right, my friend. I'm so happy that you're here doing this tonight today. I really Honestly, am. I'm delighted to be asked. When I, I, I always, you know, I really see myself much more of as an actor and a sort of comic actor than a stand-up or even just, uh, I don't say just a comedian, or even defined as a comedian. So I love it when people sort of put me in the bracket as comedian. Well, that's you know? brilliant. Yeah, that's thanks. Brilliant. Um, we're going to talk about your comedy career. And yeah. uh, it's going to last about an hour or so. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to go right back to the start. And can you tell me, please, how did you become an actor and a comedian in the first place? Well, um, I grew up in the uh, London borough of Harrow, Pinner, a lovely leafy suburb. And when I was probably about 10 or 11, uh, I asked my parents if I could go to a place called the Studio School, which was in Pinner. And it was a very sort of austere, quite formal actors training, which was run by two women from the Guildhall uh, in London. And so from about the age of 11 to um, 18, I was going to these very sort of strict drama lessons. And as, as a result of that, there was a sort of agency which is attached to this drama school. And I did a lot of stuff when I was, um, you know, professional stuff when I was a child. So I did uh, Another Country, the play in the West End, right. uh, before it became the film. And that was with Kenneth Branagh and Rupert Everett. And I did Mansfield Park for the BBC. and. I mean, those days we had cassettes, you young people out there now with your Spotify's and all that. Uh, we had cassettes and I recorded the entire series of Adrian Mole when I was 15, you know, it just come out. So I did all sorts of things, yeah. And um, so I was a child actor, really, is the truth of it. And then um, I, you know, not, not something that my parents were remotely into. My dad was a tea taster, of all things. Fantastic. My mum worked for Harrow Social Services, and my dad was also a sort of semi-professional saxophonist. He used to play in dance bands and what have you, who had, who came from this sort of East End tradition of cabaret and all that. This is turning into a very long answer. I'll get there in a minute. Fine, um, but, um... <laughs> And so, um, you know, he had slightly more of the uh, performing bent about him. And so that's what I did. I did a lot of professional stuff when I was a youngster. And then in terms of, and it was always comedy. I mean, I, I things like going to Cubs, I only had one badge, which was the entertainer's badge. Brilliant. And sort of at the end of many, many Cubs meetings, they would finish early for Alex Lowe to give us another one of his extravaganzas, the lucky kids. Yeah. So I would be writing stuff and, you know, we belonged to the church. Not that we have not remotely churchy people. I don't think my parents were into that at all. It was just, I don't know, in the mid-70s that was maybe a thing you did it was like there was sort of pantos at the church and there was a family party at the church and the cubs and scouts had a sort of christmas gang show and all that so i did a lot of stuff there and um 
I've always just been interested in comedy, really. Yeah. And so, so yeah, mostly a straight actor, and then and then, but you know, any chance to do comedy was my thing. That's the end of that rather long introduction. <laughs> that's that's brilliant because it's similar to me. I I I was in the Cubs when I was I was, yeah. I was very young. I I was brought up in Carlisle. And yeah, yeah. Similar sort of thing. You know, you had the. Uh, the, the shows that they used to do there and I used to be involved behind the scenes putting all the yeah. scenery out but um, oh great uh, yeah um, I used to love um, watching comedy on TV and uh, that's where I got the buzz for it and 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 um, it's just taken off from there so, uh, so well me too I mean yeah. of course you know I'm really I don't really keep up with comedy nowadays right. particularly and you know my Clinton Baptiste character that I've been touring around the country, occasionally I'll see a review that says, old-fashioned comedy at its best. I don't know and I think, at all. What, why is that old-fashioned? You know, I kind of think, it, it, comedy, sort of, it's comedy, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, it, they, it always follows these sort of rules of, you know, the rule of three, or they, you know, the third one is, is a, um, what's the word, a non-sequitur. Yeah, yeah. Or you, have, or you sort of, reincorporate something you've said earlier or there's a sort of narrative arc or or I'm doing pure old double entendres or whatever but I always think is it old-fashioned I don't think it's it's not particularly meta you know it's not Stuart Lee but I kind of think it's honest to goodness I've actually bothered to write a joke you know what I mean um so what I was going to say about that was um yeah the comedy uh, tv comedy was was huge part of it like you Rich Uh, you know, Ronnie Barker's absolutely one of my heroes from Porridge. Yeah. I mean, when I think about Porridge, I can't... He, that is my inspiration, Ronnie Barker, really, because when you see f- the character of Fletcher, I think I, part of me honestly can't believe that that guy didn't exist in real life. Oh, it was you extraordinary, know? wasn't it? Isn't it? It's a yeah. three-dimensional yeah. character, and I, maybe it's to, to do with growing up, and but played with all the pathos, yeah. all the comedy, all the lightness of touch, the yeah. you know the brilliant timing, and he was he was also you know he, his son Adam, he who got in a lot of trouble, yeah. Adam Barker, yeah. at our at my drama school in Pinner, so he was sort right. of mate of mine, right. uh, a, a mate acquaintance, you know, from that time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Less anyone thinks uh, I was involved. I think no, um, but you know, Ronnie was a huge, huge influence, and um, people like Mike Yarwood. You oh, know, the impression. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and he, uh, yeah, he was the first superstar impressionist Yarwood, wasn't he? In the seventies. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and I I always think he could have a fantastic fringe show even now. But he, yeah. he he was famous, unfortunately, for having confidence problems, and he won't yes. go back on. And it's very very sad. And with and with and with the two Ronnies, I totally agree. Porridge um, yeah. and all of the things that he did. He famously, um, when he was interviewed, he he was very very shy as himself. And when he got yes. into character, he was extraordinary. He became a different. Different yeah, character. we were absolutely. we were very fortunate to go and see the last two Ronnie's recording. Oh, really? And, uh, I've never yeah. seen such warmth in an audience. They all absolutely, and he was absolutely. Clear, he was clearly not well, but they had all the writers in yeah. there, and yeah. just amazing night. And and the warmth for them was extraordinary. Well, that's right, and I feel the same about the two Ronnie's yeah. as well. You know, I know, of course, some of it hasn't dated very well, but. 
in terms of that lovely kind of writing and yeah, the yeah. rhythms of that yeah. writing and yeah. punnery and yeah. I mean I love that and even at that young age I really yeah. appreciated yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm actually Ronnie Corbett come to that I really loved and I I, I don't know whether people would have the patience for it now, but that lovely story where right. he'd go off in these segues, yeah. it was so much a part of my childhood, that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, it's like at that age, you're like a sponge and you take yeah. these things on board and somehow they come out in later life to such an extent that, you know, when I'm touring, I often play um, City Varieties in Leeds, yes. you know, that, that theatre. And, I mean, it's my favourite theatre in the country. It's so... It's sort of steeped in tradition. It's big enough that you're on stage and, and touch wood, I've always filled it. Uh, it's intimate and yet a proper theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah and yeah. I, what I was going to say about was, um, you know, in the days when you, the good old days, of course, was yeah, filmed there, yeah, yeah. which in the early mid, mid 70s when I was a tiny lad, I, it suddenly occurred to me that was the reason I wanted to get on stage. Not not the National Theatre or the the Royal Court or something. It was seeing all those people in this sort of lots of colour throwing their heads back and laughing in the warm. You know what I mean? That's, That's what brilliant. I really like. Re a really good laugh. I mean, I, I think hopefully, you know, when I write my material, I I. I just pack it full of gags. I can't bear, and it's my cowardice as a comedian. I know comedians will go forever without a laugh, and then there's a, a massive payoff. But I cannot, you know, I want to go bang, 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 just yeah. rack it full of jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, you know. that's fascinating, because I interviewed Barry Cryer on here, on, yes. on, on this blog, and of course he start, he famously started at the City Varieties in Leeds, and the the, yeah. the, the classic comedians that he's written for and provided jokes to it's exactly that style it's bang 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 yeah. straight away yeah. you know with the jokes it well was, it yeah was i mean when i when this this clinton tour that i'm yeah. doing this is clinton behind yeah, yeah, you yeah, um uh you know I, I have a director who always directs me and he's much more of a sort of drama <laughs> theater director and and you know we had a you know early on we came up you know he's a fantastic guy and he's using he's I'm using him again for this yeah. show that I'm going out with soon, um, which by the time people see this might well have been and gone. But um, uh, Tim and right, but his thing was all about now really you know take the audience into your confidence here. Here's a, here's a moment which would be very Jack and Ori and very storyteller mode. And I had to say. I know what these places are like. They yeah. want you to go, do gag, gag, gag. You, you don't really have the luxury of going, now here's a lovely story. I mean, you sit here, well, loads of comedians do it, but I'm thinking about Kevin Bridges. Yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. tell a, a lovely story about, you know, famously going to visit his mate and they have a Chinese meal. You know that one? Which I love. Well, it's peppered, peppered full of gags along the way, you know. I, I'm, I'm just, the, the, and it's my own cowardice because the horror of standing there and seeing people going, come on, where's the bloody jokes, you know? Um, so you're, so you're, you're acting away and, and everything's wonderful. And um, where did the characters come from? Where did Clinton Baptiste come from, and where did Barry from Watford come from, and well, all your comedy characters? 
Barry, Barry, first of all, I, you know, was an absolutely calculated thing. My, my uh, Cockney relatives from South East London all sound like that, or did, they're all dead now. <laughs> you know, this old uh, style Cockney, uh, where, you know, the back of the throat is, is, is started to say it's a bit of siren, and also they don't have the lung capacity. So... Uh, so that's all based on them, and you know, it's an affectionate look at them. I, it's not, a, it's not meant to be a massive piss take. It's just the kind of lovely way they speak. Uh, so that was that, and I, and I and I did it once for Ian Lee on his LBC show. Sure. I, I used to do a show on XFM, and Ian once phoned me up as his only character, Mike from Muswell, no, Mike from Camden, which just sounded like Ian Lee. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really have any, no acting required. Uh, and so I thought, oh, when I, when Ian started the show on LBC, I thought, oh, I'm going to phone, I, I really want to try this character out. And in a similar way that Peter Cook did with Sven, the Norwegian fisherman, yes. I thought, well, this is a golden opportunity to just do a character. And you know, just see if you can get away with it. And Ian, it, after about five minutes, suddenly realised it was me. And we just kept doing it, you know, and it became a bit of a thing. And then I thought, I'm going to do an Edinburgh show. How am I going to turn it into an Edinburgh show? I know I'll do something with Ian that gets me banned. <laughs> and we met up one day. I said, look, what I want to do, Ian, is, is, is be banned. I want to use um, audio from your show of people being up in arms about poor Barry being banned, which is exactly what we did. Um... So that was a very, you know, pathos-laden show uh, as, as Barry. And um, so that was sort of my own thing. Yeah. And, and honestly, Richard, I've had so many goes with it. You know, I had a series on Radio 4. I did a series on Channel 4 with Noel Edmonds as Barry called Cheap, 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 which no one seems to bloody well remember, which was on for 31-hour episodes one summer about four years that. ago. You, you remember I it? I remember it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you were hilarious on that. Thank you so much. But, uh, yeah, it sort of came and went, and it was one of those, I think, like a lot of things, if we'd just been given more time, it would have absolutely have flown. It would have been great. But I think it looked like it was cobbled together a bit and shoved on, and it just came and went, and it was a real, you know, it's a real shame, and I've sort of neglected Barry a bit since then just because the, the wonder the wonderful thing about the character for me is that um because the audience feel feel sorry for him because yeah. of the way he looks and the dishevelment and all the rest of it you yeah. can practically say whatever you want and get away yeah, with there it. Is that. <laughs> there is that there is that there really is that works so well because the audience sit there and think I can't believe he's just said that. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with blue murder. Yeah, I mean that, that's always the thing with uh, with characters. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that you just couldn't otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but I mean it's sort of fair enough. I mean I don't think that's cheating. I don't think it means Not you can all, say no. the most disgusting thing ever. But if you're straight, staying true to the character, that's that's what he would say. And it's all, it's people, all double entendres and innuendo yeah. and everything, isn't it? It's not yeah. rudeness. It's just what the audience no. perceive of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always think like with with Barry playing an old man, it would be tedious if 
you were just doing kind of, oh, my, my poor old back hurts. Oh, wasn't it lovely in the war? I mean, no one wants to hear that. You know what I mean? You've got to do quite contemporary stuff yeah, as this yeah. old man and his yeah. take on it. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing more dull, I'm sure. I mean, I remember when I was a lot younger, as it happens, I do have a few joint aches nowadays, but I don't expect anyone to find it particularly funny or interesting, you know? <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I always hated that, you know. Oh, isn't it funny when you get older, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's all sagging now. Who gives a toss about that? You know, so I don't want to do that as Barry. I'm in or my Clint. early 50s and I'm falling apart, mate. And I think... Oh, <laughs> yeah, me too. I've, I've, I've done something to my... Having said this is not interesting, I'm now going to tell you. I've done something to my knuckles, right? Oh, dear. And I don't know. It might be the dog pulling on the lead. But it is, it's been like this for two months. And if there's anyone out there with, I don't know whether it's having the COVID injection or it's long COVID, but it will not go away. And I can't even get a bloody doctor's appointment. You know, you try and get a doctor's appointment. It's yeah. a nightmare. I, so I, I keep uh, waiting for it to get better and it doesn't seem to. Well, I've been in, I've had both the injections. And yeah. uh, I was like, hung, I felt hung over both times. Yeah. But then I was all right. But then suddenly I, I've got this pain in my thumb and my, oh, I've always had a bad back. And, you know, it always keeps coming to the fore. It seems to find things. I don't know whether it is. Do you is think that's what it is? Maybe. I don't but know. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Cause, so cause, it's, a, it's worrying knows. me a bit. What's, you'll be fine, I'm sure, mate. You'll be absolutely Thank fine. Thank you so much, Doctor. At um, last, I've got a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at last, a diagnosis. <laughs> Let's move on to your, in my mind, your greatest creation, Clinton Baptiste. Where right. did he come from? Well, first of all, I have to say, I'll be honest, it's not my creation. It's originally Peter Kay's creation, uh, Neil Fitzmaurice yeah. and uh, Dave Spikey. Uh, and, um, yeah, what I, basically it was from... Um, Phoenix Nights and Peter asked me to I'd done something with Peter before yeah. that Peter K thing where yeah. I played a character called Sparky yeah. and um, Peter said uh, would I like to play this part in Phoenix Nights and then I did it and then we did it again for that one about the superstar remember the the, the parody of the X Factor that he yes, did yeah, yeah, yeah. so I yeah. played it again there yeah and then uh, in 2015, he said, would I play it on uh, in Phoenix Nights Live at Manchester Arena for comic relief? Yeah. And it was so, I mean, you know, for an egomaniac, you come up through the stage like that, 14,000 people say, yeah, right, get a huge, <laughs> huge response. It was so thrilling i just loved it you know and so i said to peter look i you know at the time when we first did it i said i'd really like to do this as a stand-up character and he was reluctant for i don't know one reason or another but then in 2015 i asked again he went oh yeah okay if you want to do that it made, which made me think i wonder whether i asked properly in the first place because i couldn't have been doing this for 20 yeah, years yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he said fine and he gave me the wig which is a very expensive wig and the costume yeah. and the thing is I, I of course it sort of is my creation now because I've fleshed out the character it was only two scenes in yes, Phoenix yeah, Night yeah. and he's got a sort of history and I've done four podcast series now 
and he's got a, a rival he's got a sister and we we kind of get we, we understand who clinton is now yeah um but i always check with peter i mean i i i just i i would hate for him one day to go hold on a minute you know you're just you've you've just sold your soul to coca-cola or something is no one going to ask me it's my creation you know so i just check in with him and i've got to say he's been really very loyal to me and you know said it's all fine you know how did you, how did you get to know him how did you know him in the first place well years ago i did in in 1998 i did a show at the edinburgh festival a solo show i've done a lot of solo shows yeah. uh, um about British wrestling based on the book by Simon Garfield called The Wrestling and it was all about Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and uh, Dropkick Johnny Peters Johnny Quango you know Adrian Street all this stuff all the greats I remember from uh, World of Sport that's it and PCK came along to review it for uh, Edinburgh Nights with Bomber Pat Roach, who you'll know from Alfie Design, Pat. Of course, yeah, yeah, he's in the Indiana and Jones films as that's well. That's it. Yeah. And so Peter, I think, you know, he was just really up and coming then. And I didn't realise, as I say, I don't really follow comedy that much. But we sort of knocked around a bit at Edinburgh, uh, where he was doing a show. Yeah. And and um, he always, I've, I've often told this story before, <laughs> but it's in his book, Saturday Night Peter, yeah. where... Um, I'm delighted that he even remembers this episode. But he turned up with Bomber Pat Roach, and I was playing this fictional character, Scott Bradley, who the idea was he was doing this show at Edinburgh to raise money to go and fight for what used to be called WWF in those days, or WCW in, in America. Yeah. And Pat Roach came up at the end of it, and I've been playing Brian Crabtree, Max Crabtree, Dickie Davis. <laughs> Kent Walter. I've been playing all yeah. these characters. And and Pat Roach, Pat Roach said to me, I haven't seen you on the circuits at all. Who have you been fighting? And I went, well, no, no, I'm, I'm an actor. It's not, it's not real. I went, oh, okay. And we carried on talking. And then he went, I didn't see you at Tiger Ryan's funeral the other day. And I, I looked at Peter. I thought, I can't keep telling you I'm not a real wrestler. So this very day, if I ever see Peter Kay, he says to me, I didn't see you at Tiger Ryan's funeral. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, that's how we met. That's how you really. met. Well, yeah. um, uh, I, I, um, I, th I think Peter Kay is uh, unbelievably funny. Um, yeah, the, <clears throat> I would put him up there with Eric Morecambe and Tommy Cooper, and mm. he's he's just an absolute natural. I first saw him um, on a bill of five acts at uh, a club in Manchester, well before he was famous, and he was fourth on the bill. Yeah. And I laughed so hard I missed the fifth act. I'm still laughing, and I, <laughs> and I and I said to my friend, "He's going to be a superstar. He's just funny. He's yeah. got funny bones." And yeah, I followed yeah. him from day one. As you say, I've got all the books behind me on the yeah. bookshelf, all these books and videos and everything. I've seen him many, many times live. Yeah, and I also yeah. think as well. Um, Phoenix Nights, when it was released at the same time, it was released the same year as The Office. That's right, yeah. The Office got the sa got deservedly got all the plaudits, but it it's such a great series, Phoenix Nights. Mm. There are so many episodes that I remember 
vividly. My my favourite one is where the club was burnt down and they had to do the family fun day. Mm. But there are so many that that, that come to mind. And um, uh, I saw Phoenix Nights live. I was in the audience at, in Manchester. And yeah. when you came up from underground, everybody around me just went bananas. Oh, it was even, lovely. Even although... Um, the character is is created by him. The very fact that you play it so perfectly oh, that everybody great. around me just went bananas when you came on. And oh, it's, it's so it's nice. Such a funny, warm. You can again, you can get away with anything, and you do because you're just warm to the character. That's good. Well, I, I like. I mean, it's my horror if anyone <laughs> is upset. You know, yeah, I yeah. never want to upset people. I know comedians who think that's great. Yeah, I just you know I really am of the opinion people have paid exactly yeah yeah you know and you I mean, I, can, I know a couple of comedians I can think of who if they don't do very well it's like well, they're not ready for me yeah, or, yeah. if they don't like it you know that's what I do it's like uh, no no you're serving them yeah. it ain't, if, if if you just want to do your thing do it in your bedroom yeah yeah you know so I I would hate for people to be upset and and. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of times where I've done Clinton and people have been upset, offended, and these are not, ne they don't necessarily know Phoenix Nights, and why should they? It was 20 years ago. But I, I sort of, you know, or they think, you know, they're really, they think it's all real, and I think of myself as a clairvoyant medium, but anyone with half a brain can tell it's a joke, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I like to keep it warm and. You know. It's it's so true because uh, I've told I've told a lot of comedians this. Um, the the reason for this blog, I I went on a a half day writing course just to yeah. brush up my skills, and I was with a load of people who wanted to be reviewers. And the woman yeah. who ran the course said to me, um, "We forget who you are." And I said, "Well, I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a critique. I'm not a diarist. I'm not a reporter." I'm a member of the audience and I'm out to have a good time and I think I've got yeah. a good idea. I've got this enormous spreadsheet of every single act I've seen for the last 40 yeah. odd years. Yeah, and I think really? It, make a great, it was originally a book, but I couldn't afford the publishing rights. Right, okay. So my friend said turn it into a blog and it's been, it's just taken off, it's fantastic. And I think the blog is an enthuse more than anything. It's, 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 I'm doing my very best to support all the people who go out there and have a go. It's it's, well, it's an extraordinary thing. You are. You, I mean, you have got to be Richard, one of the most famous comedy <laughs> comedy audience members. Well, I mean, very kind. <laughs> it, seriously, and anyone out there, performers, um, you know, audience people, comedy fans, you summed it up, Richard, because you are there for a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think currently, and I'm hoping that's what people want. Yeah, nothing, right. nothing arch about it. Nothing clever. Nothing. Oh, what? Well, you know, what are they trying to do here? Really, you know, let's have a laugh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't want to do anything other than make people laugh. Yeah. You know, and, but you're great for that, and it does. It really, of course, it encourages the bloody comedians. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, you have a better well, night, everyone. Yes. I think, and, and, and I think, it, as you say, it's such a positive thing. 
in such an yeah. awful time what's not yeah. to love you know when i love to go out and and look forward to yeah. a specific bill you're 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 a classic act where if your name is on the bill i know i'm going to have a good time oh good good do. good i always do so 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 you're on stage doing your characters your wonderful characters um how do you remember all your jokes and routines do you have a method of remembering was well, a good point i i am this is my mortal terror is forgetting lines i mean when, when i go and do i'm very I'm one of these actors who i've always tapped up on everyone's sitcoms and stuff i'm normally there for like a day or two where you turn up you're in a hotel room going i've got to remember these bloody lines i've got you know everyone else is they know the costume department they know they're all up and running and and there's a real thing when you turn up sometimes on a on a tv set it's like okay ladies and gentlemen can you gather around please heads of department okay quiet please we're gonna have a rehearsal and you're there going oh my god i don't want everyone to think who's the new boy he doesn't know his lines you know so I, as I say, it is what is my Achilles heel? I'm just. I always think, you know, everyone else has turned up. You know, in the case of comedy, someone has booked the venue. They, there's a technical bloke. They've organised the act. The very least you can do is know your bloody lines, right? Um, and I, I'm much more of an actor, as I say, than a stand-up. And I don't just, you know, I was on with Liam Pickford, who 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 toured with me. Is my one of my support acts. Now he goes on with no joke. He's got one joke, and he'll just do the rest with the audience, which I admire hugely. Yeah, yeah. But it just isn't me. Yeah. I, I'm real belt and braces, you know. And it, sometimes it looks like it's improvised. Really, ninety ninety percent isn't. You got to, you know, occasionally you'll have to react to something. But um, so, so to remember it, you know, I, I I've been in my new office here for my new material. I'm trying out for the new tour. Yeah. I've just got little things which you know you should remember this yeah. bit if i say that bit it sounds a little bit like this oh yeah that's the next gag but i'm sure for some people it's much more organic and they they pluck stuff out of the air and oh let's drop that bit and i'll do this i'm absolutely linear this is the act from start to finish but that's because i'm an actor really yeah. not a, it's, a it, it's, it's interesting because um the most creative thing I've done, other than this blog, um, I, I wrote a play, uh, a half hour play, which originally I was going to uh, send up and still might put on yeah. uh, for Edinburgh. But myself and my friend put it on, uh, the two of us put it on for comic relief. And yeah. uh, we got nearly £2,000 for it. We did, we did three shows. And yeah. the, uh, the, the play is called The Applicant, and it's basically about me. Um, coming down from Carlisle to London, I've got a very successful girlfriend, but I've never had a job and I've right. never had an interview. So, so it was um, uh, waiting room interview, waiting room interview, waiting room interview. So, of course, when I run out in the waiting room, there's nobody there and I'm nervous. So I start talking to the audience. So I wrote these right. great long monologues. Sounds great. <laughs> so the yeah, first yeah. night I ran out and we'd practiced oh, this for 10 weeks. I completely forgot the monologue. And, yeah. I, and I'm like a rabbit in headlights and I'm thinking, oh my God. And yeah. We've had 10 weeks on this and I never made the mistake again. And when the other actor came on, we just bounced off each other. Mm. But it, I've, 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 I've never forgotten that. And I think acting, the question is acting must, learning lines 
for a play or a TV show or, or whatever mm. it is um, must be d slightly different to stand up or, or is it or is it not when you're a character a, a comedy character actor well the first thing to say is of course no one's going to interrupt you when you're learning your yeah. your your set yeah um i think with uh, the likes of my comedy creations it's sort of easier and you you just enjoy the way you might say something yeah because it's sort of second nature yeah so uh and the other thing is you've written it so if you paraphrase a little bit it doesn't matter yeah, if you're yeah, in a play or a tv yeah. You have someone saying, well, that's not the line. Can you give me the proper line? It's a, that's a little bit like the line, but not the line, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing to say is, of course, that I do not change my... I mean, I really stick religiously to my to my piece of writing. And if I'm trying something new, which might be a problem to remember, honestly, Richard, it's really tiny, tiny bits... I'm just not brave enough to stand there with a sea of faces and go, okay, here we go. Here's a wholesale new 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> I just can't do it. Uh, and, you know, I've, I have done that. I mean, I, I well, not 10 minutes, maybe, probably five minutes of, of new material at um, Top Secret Club in Covent Garden. Yeah, 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 I know it well. And it was terrifying. I mean, I, I, you know, it's like they're a very young audience for a kickoff there. Very young very London sort of media savvy, comedy savvy. Yeah. Uh, and I sort of did it just because I don't, didn't know any better. I don't, I'm not really in a community of stand-up comedians. So I thought, oh, well, there's a, there's a night. And I've done it a few times. And it's utterly terrifying to do it there. It's also quite a big gaff, you know, it's quite big. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. And I think really the secret is to go somewhere miles away from people and just try it out and no one knows you're there yeah, but you just yeah. get a little sense and of course record it yeah. and see listen back yeah, yeah. but interesting thing was yeah. when i when i was there uh, and this is for any comedians out there who who are still learning like me i i um went to go to this thing at top secret and brett goldstein yeah. you know him yeah no, so well. he was there and i'd just done the downstairs which is a huge you know, there's a lot of people in there, I think. And I tried this new stuff and I was so pleased it went well. I said, oh my God, I just tried this whole huge amount. I'm just going upstairs to do the, you know, to do the same show. Because as I said, there's two venues at this. Yeah, 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 there is. Yeah. And Brett went, oh no, no, I never do new stuff down there. I went, what? He said, no, 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 too, too difficult down there. Just do it in the upstairs one. I thought, oh my God, why did anyone tell me? I thought, this is a new comedy night, new yes. material. So you live and learn, but I mean, the, the secret is, you know, with any of that new material, you just have to do it. Yeah, There's yeah, no yeah. other way. And you've just got to be brave. Yeah. Put your head in the lion's jaws. And if it doesn't go well, I suppose on a night like that, they might understand that it's a new comedy night. Yeah. But yeah. 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 I still, it's horrible if you, you do something, it doesn't get a laugh, bloody hell. That's really interesting. Um, Let's move on to Edinburgh. I am I am yeah. very very fortunate to be able to go to the Edinburgh Fringe uh, nearly every year, apart from last year. I first yeah. went in twenty o five, 
and I go there uh, every year for my that's, that's my holiday and I I, yeah. I I go for a week and I see about 50 shows in the week Bloody hell. and uh, I'm exhausted I need a holiday by the time I come back but but yeah, I, yeah. I have the best time can you tell me uh, what your first Edinburgh fringe was like what year was it fantastic what, what were you doing up there great well in 1987, I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with my two mates, Chris and Pat. And we did a show called Seaside Summer Spectacular uh, through the Bristol University Dram Sock. And we did it at a church near Easter Road. You know where Hibernian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down there, a church there. This is sort of miles away from the festival. It's like doing the West End in Ealing, you know. And uh, we were at this place and it was so miserable. It was so miserable because we didn't really know this dram sock, Bristol University. We were a load of toffs anyway, quite posh public school. And my mate Pat was doing chemistry at Bristol and he certainly wasn't part of the... Uh, you know, drama, <laughs> lardy drama lot. Yeah. And it was, and we had nowhere to stay. And there was a sort of understanding that people would just sleep on the stage in this kind of very arty way, which was hell, of course. You know, it, was, it wasn't nearly as arty and lovely. It was just cold and miserable in sleeping bags on a hard floor. We had no money. We were like, you know, I hadn't started, I went to do my degree at Leicester. Right. I just left sixth form college, had no money. We were there for two weeks. Virtually nobody turned up doing our wacky studenty review. Uh, so I was really, really miserable. And I think after the first week, if I'd had any amount of money, I'd have paid it to just go home. But Pat and Chris were very keen. No, 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 we're going to stick with this. It was like, really? Is it worth it? And, you know, going out, trying to drum up people to come to our show. I hated, we had to be pissed to do that. I hate <laughs> embarrassed by our silly songs and um you know whenever i've gone back to edinburgh festival many 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 times as a performer since i think you know i sort of feel a bit sorry for myself then yes i'm so young and keen and they weren't particularly nice to us this dram sock then we were like who are these blokes who somehow have got into this venue so you know it's, it's a hell of a long time ago you know yeah. But I, it, as you get older, we're a very similar age, Rich, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of funny how time, it doesn't. It oddly doesn't seem whatever that was, 35 yeah. years ago, I mean, was it? that's More extraordinary, that. you know. It, it yeah. doesn't seem that long, as you say. Um, no. The, f the first year I went, uh, I, yeah. got it, I got it out of my system and, 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 I thought, and I thought, I want to have a go at being a stand-up comedian, get it out of my system. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I knew a promoter when I first went up, and I've told this story many times. And I said to them, um, "I'd I'd like to have a go." And they said, "Well, we can put you on a gong show, which oh, is a God. Monday a Monday afternoon, and it's for oh. old folk. So it, it couldn't be worse." So I walked out. I had this <laughs> script ready. Uh, yeah, uh, and which they liked, and I walked out. There was three people in the crowd. And uh, I walked out, and the first thing I said to them was, um, "People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself." And of course, when I was at college, I was the double of him. And right? Yeah, bloke, yeah. And some bloke at the back just went, 
Fuck off. Gong me off. <laughs> I lost I lost it about ten seconds. And the promoter said, have another go, have another go. So the same thing happened, similar thing. And I walked oh. off I walked off and I said, Never say never, but my uh, places in the audience supporting them and and I've I've never had a go since and I, I know I get really? and and, and uh, do a do a turn sometimes I always be comedy and sing along and sing a song or whatever but um, I was very pleased I got it out of my system but you know never do say never again but it, it, it must be daunting to walk out and then once you get the audience you're away i mean do you suffer from nerves at all before you i'm the it? world's worst i'm absolutely <laughs> terrified right. i feel sick for days before i've got a gig i mean i've got a gig tomorrow night in st albans i feel mildly nauseous already oh, i feel i'll feel ter terrible tomorrow yeah and honestly i dan skinner and i you know who plays angelos yeah, yeah, yeah. we're a double act angelos and parry yeah both of us who we've got gigs will be texting each other going I'm just not feeling it I feel sick you know oh, no. drive miles there's always that horrible journey on your own running yeah. through your lines yeah. Yeah. thinking I just got to get this done I, I don't enjoy it at all uh, honestly um, I love doing the touring with, yeah. with people who have come to see the character and they sort of get it um, I just once you're on stage are you okay um yeah, I think so, when it's going well, but as I say, I'm not great if anyone heckles and all that stuff. It's not my favourite thing. I mean, I used to do jonglers as Barry from Watford, and you just get comedians, and that's their job, crowd control, and they're brilliant at it. And I, I have such respect for that, but I, I, I would crumble if there's too... I mean, I can deal with a bit of it, I'm not a complete idiot, but too much of it and I just have to hold my hands up and go well I, I don't know what to do now I've done oh, I've shot right. that's it yeah but I, and I think you know the reason I get but I get nervous with any sort of performance yeah, as an actor yeah. or anything and I think honestly this sounds very grand but if you've dedicated your life to doing it and it's very much a vocation you know my wife and kids have had to put up with sharing this you know I'm, I'm all about work I'm a bit of a workaholic for example, we, I mean, I had to sell our honeymoon because I got a commercial. Right. The, we, we, every time we go on holiday, I have to stop, get, you know, I've got to leave early or, you know, I can only go for half the holiday or can I just nip off to go and do something? And so it, there are a lot of sacrifices to do this for a living, which I've done all my life. So if you're then shit at it... <laughs> <laughs> it really, you know, the stakes feel very, very high. You know, it's I, it's my whole life, it's my whole identity. You know, it, it, to, to then be crap, it's like, oh, what have I done? I've wasted my entire life. You know, that's how I feel about it. Well, the well, the only thing I can say is that whenever you are on stage the confidence that you give off to an with really? your characters oh, is extraordinary whether or not uh, you're feeling it if, no I'm rarely feeling it that's a magic quality that you've got I mean you 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 go on and you say, and and from the from my point of view from the audience and, yeah. and uh, I I I can imagine you thinking right let me at them and you're away once you've once once you know you've got quite a good audience and you've done yeah. two or three 
you've had go two or three of them, you're away yeah, and you think yeah. it's going to be all right. I suppose, yeah, I do sort of think that. Yeah. But um, I'm I, quite a lot of that kind of bravado is yeah. that I've really, you know, I've, I've been shitting myself all week. <laughs> let's not <laughs> let's not regret and you know it's got to be that's got to be worth something you know but also you know just as an actor yeah 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 you've yeah. got to commit to it there's yeah, nothing yeah, worse than looking like you're apologizing <laughs> i mean <laughs> either be shit you know either underplay it or overplay it don't apologize don't apologize for it i mean that's awful isn't it you know and as i say people have paid yeah they don't really care if you're nervous it's yeah, like yeah. well i've been doing my job all day and this is your job now and i've paid to see it so bloody well <laughs> i mean honestly i think that's true that's not me that's not uh no 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 doesn't sound very scientific but that's just the way it is isn't it yeah 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 um We've all been living in really horrible times the last year yeah. or two. Um, have you done any online gigs? What's your view of online gigs as opposed to live stand-up? Right. Well, I, I've got to say I've really, really struggled with this. You know, the sort of the mantra about mental health, which I've never... You know, honestly, I've always thought that's for other people. You know, the sort of... Yeah. No, it's really important to talk about. Yeah, you know, I've been like, oh God, not again. <laughs> Do we have to talk? You know, it's really brave of you to splurt all this out on Facebook or whatever. I mean, I just think I've always thought, oh, fucking pull yourself together, you know? really but only now over the last 15 16 months do i realize you know uh, you can hit the skids a bit yeah. and head downwards yeah, yeah. i found it really difficult because you know i've spent as i said to you you know turning up in other people's sitcoms and having so many near misses with my characters and yeah films that I've done that were going to be a big hit and have gone away and I did a pilot for HBO and all that and for the first time and that went for nothing so for the first time in my <laughs> career what's laughingly known as a career you know I was selling out these venues as Clinton and it was just thrilling you know yeah, people yeah, yeah. turning up and you've written the material and I just thought that's all I want to do for the rest of my career is go around if I can keep touring Clinton and suddenly of all the things the bloody COVID hit. And you'll remember, Richard, at the time, there was a lot of talk of, oh, it's three weeks, remember? Yeah, yeah, you know, it wasn't going to last long. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three, the longest three weeks. Three weeks, another time I thought, no, it's not three weeks, it's going to be longer. But I didn't expect this. And, and I remember at the time listening to an interview on Radio 4 where some scientist was going, it, it's going to be at least a year. And I thought, of course it is. Of course it's yeah. going to be. You're not going to just, this thing's not going to go after three weeks. So um, I really, really have struggled. And what I did first of all was, you know, not least because I was so pissed off licking my wounds that it sort of went tits up. But then I we started doing Zoom, Zoom um, performances. Vangelos and Barry show we used to do every week. People watched it. Great fun. We used to write it. You know, it's so amazing, this t technology that you can perform from your house and quite good quality sound and vision and then there was a uh, clinton baptiste one i did and we sold tickets but at the end of the day rich and i'm sure a lot of comedians will say this 
<laughs> you go, good night, flip the laptop down, go to watch telly. You're not it's not, it's not the same. same thing at all, you know? I mean, it, it cannot compete with standing in the wings at the bloody, you know, the pomegranates I always think of in uh, Chesterfield. Huge, cavernous theatre. And then huge, loads of people coming in and you're shitting yourself, you know, palms are sweating, the adrenaline going. Thinking, right, what's my first line? There's dry ice on the stage. There's a nice bit of lighting. You know, and there's a sort of stamping of the feet and your <laughs> music comes on. <laughs> that is not this. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, when it when it first started, thank God for online comedy because I don't know how I would have got there. I'd just been um, on my own here, you know. But um, yeah. uh, um, when it started off, there was no audio. So, so I I would shoot dial in and uh, uh, the comedians would be away, but they could not hear the audience. Right. So I thought with my loud laugh, I was going to be taken away because people were knocking on the walls. Yeah. Right, and, uh, right. And I thought something's not right here. And then they opened up the audio, and the, it was better for the comedians with the timing, and they had the the front rows and all the rest of it. But yeah, I am, I am like you. I I look at it as a super substitute. You, but you yeah. cannot beat live comedy. I love to go out on a weekend, go out for a meal with loads of friends, and oh, go great. to a comedy club, sit there and say, yeah. right, entertain me because you're of the moment, and Absolutely. you're in the room, and it, the atmosphere and everything. I'm so pleased that they are slowly opening up. <sighs> So, so am I. I, I mean, I mean, that's the, I've, something I've always thought is, you know, if for whatever reason I can't work on TV or no one wants me or no one wants me in the theatre or whatever, the one thing you've got as a performer, this sounds pretentious, but you know, I mean it, if, if there's one thing you've got, it's the ability to get up on the stage and do it and not to have to have a meeting about a meeting about a meeting with a production company. You just go, here's my material. Oh, yeah, you know, this guy will give me a go. And you can go and do it. And so I think if that goes, if there's no live performance, I mean, it's just catastrophic. It's like I've spent my whole life, uh, you know, doing that and my career and, as I say, given up quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's got to come back, and I'm yeah. I'm thinking about my tour. I just if it means performing to half the house, you know, you do sort of two smaller audience, you know, like two shows a night with half. Maybe do two in one night. Yeah, I mean, I would do that. I don't know whether that's on the cards. Well, I, know that, maybe, I know they do that at Always Be Comedy. They have an early show and a late show now. So people don't have to sit yeah. so close together. So, the, so, so, yeah, it's all socially distanced. And they have a, they have a 7 o'clock one and a 9 o'clock yeah. one. And they do an hour. Yeah, I think if that's the way it's got to be. Yeah, but yeah. I just, it's, it's a bit of a worry because, of course... Look, by the, as you say, by the time people hear this, yeah. maybe things will be sorted out. But currently, where we're sitting here now, nobody knows anything. I was listening to Radio 4 today. There's a woman from the lead mill in Sheffield. And I thought, oh, she must know something. That's quite a quite a notorious thing. She, she knew just as much as I did, you know. Everyone's waiting to hear. I thought, I must hear this. Surely. And she just went, well, you know. And they said, well, how long have you been... Um, 
expecting to no how long have you been expecting news she said well you know months on end i'd like someone to tell us what's going on but i genuinely i don't think people know do they no, the government no, that's, that's the thing what is what is very encouraging from your point of view though is um there's an imminent tour you you've been writing uh, of course where do you get your ideas from for the tours or for the new shows or do well you, do you have a way of creating new material to, to be honest you alluded to it when we did these internet shows yeah we did so many gags. Uh, it was me writing, <laughs> Sam Delaney, yeah, Sam Delaney, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam, uh, Simon London, who's an ex-BBC comedy producer. Um, who else? His mate was chiming in. And so we did so many great gags for the Clinton internet shows. I've got to be honest, I nicked loads of them and <laughs> just brought them along. Then you kind of look at them and you go, mm, it doesn't quite work for live. So I went out uh, with my mate, Fraser Steele, who wrote, he writes for Jonathan Ross, he's written for everybody. And we spent a day together, socially distanced, and um, I went through the script. It was exactly what I did for the last one and just said, can you just tickle this up? And then it's not necessarily him tickling it up. Then, then he'll say something and say, oh, great, what about this gag? And then... You know, and and it just feels like, as I say, belt and braces. It may be that it's brilliant. We sat there for three hours and we couldn't think of a gag. You know, but yeah, that's what I like to know. I want to be on the stage knowing I've done absolutely everything to shore this up. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 wonderful. Um, who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Stand-up comedians yeah. and the like. Or TV comedians. Or well, as I say, Ronnie Barker and those comedy yeah. actors. Um, in terms, uh, uh, you know, growing up, Mike Yard was one of my favourites. When I was in my sort of early twenties, Vic and Bob, when they did Big Night Out. I mean that. Just, I mean, there's something I love and it's something I just don't do. I would love to be able to do. I wish it was my humour like Harry Hill and that just slightly surreal take that Vic and Bob did. I mean, it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's like people have done surrealist stuff before. But that sort of comedy, which is slightly surreal, but just has the tiniest bit of logic in it, where you go, yeah, I can see that's a sort of strange way of, you know what I mean? Not just sort of, you know, not just kind of doing just utter mad shit that you go, I don't know what that means. But, you know, I can't even think of an example now, but uh, Vic and Bob do it occasionally, and you'll go, I can, that does have some strange relevance to the real world. But since you put it like that, yeah, that is a bit odd, you know. <laughs> That's the kind of comedy I like. But it's just not me. I'm just too old-fashioned. I, really. I, uh, my, my first ever comedy show, uh, I was aged seven, something like that, in a family holiday yeah, yeah. in Scarborough. Yeah. We went to see Les Dawson. Oh, yeah. And who was just incredible. And then a, yeah, year, yeah, and yeah. Then a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper. Right. And, and just got the bug. He was extraordinary. But um, Vic and Bob, I saw the big night out on tour in 1990. Bloody and, hell, um, yeah. uh, Les, who was my favourite character in Big Night Out, other than yeah. the main two, yeah. walked a... on to the stage in his yeah. scientist coat. That's right. Head, and there was a ladder on stage, and he climbed the ladder, 
and he produced a fishing rod and started fishing for loaves which were thrown at him on stage. And the audience were going bananas. Yeah. And just like yeah. the TV show, nobody had ever seen it before. I thought, what is going on here? This yeah, is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. the magic of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, re I remember watching them on Channel 4. I kept yeah. switching it back over because I thought, what is going on here? Yeah. They're, they were yeah. extraordinary. At, uh, they are extraordinary at what they do, you know. I mean, I also, I mean, I like the fact that they were really not great performers when yeah. they started. They were sort of fluff lines and dabble yeah. stuff or, you know, you couldn't, I mean, I, the, the amateurishness of that was so sort of charming. Yeah. And I, it's, as I say, it's not me. I'm much more kind of, this is the finished, is polished thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I love that. I'm trying to think, of, when you mentioned Les Dawson, you know, only the other day, I mean, he's another one. I really love comedy actors. And he, the, you know, Sissy and Ada, yeah. when they used to do that thing, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. two women and mouthing the words, which is what they used to do in the factories That's in Lancashire right. yeah, yeah. over the over the machines. Yeah, yeah. And I laughed my head off at yeah. that, you know. And there was just something about there's there's and it was just something that was on Facebook or something, you know, occasionally these things do the rounds and I just clicked on it. And there was something so accurate about there was just one movement that Les Dawson did, and I and it kind of spoke volumes, you know. I love that economy where you go, my God, I can really see why that's it's sort of so accurate in the tiniest, tiniest way. He had he had so much ammunition to his act. He had yeah. the funny face. He could play the piano yeah. badly. He could yeah. do character acting. He was extraordinary with yeah. words. That yeah. show, I can remember uh, watching uh, as clear as day, and I was seven years old. The whole family were around me laughing at him. And yeah. I saw him just before he died, God bless him. He was right. in a production of uh, the Ray Cooney farce, Run For Your Wife. Right, and yeah, he I knew, know. This was at Newcastle, and he knew that it wasn't that good a... It, it's a Production. successful play, but it wasn't very yeah. good for him. But he walked on, and he did 10 minutes of stand-up before he did the play, and yeah. there was myself, my girlfriend at the time, and a woman uh, with a baby next to me. The, the, the audience wasn't very full, and the baby was crying, and he jumped down after 10 minutes and he went up to the baby and he literally had his hand down on his mouth. And he went, I don't want that. I want the smile. And the baby stopped crying. And I was like, bloody hell, this is extraordinary. And that was the magic of the man. Yeah. He, he, was, yeah. he, he, he is up there. The reason why I love comedy and the blog and everything's Morecambe and Wise. I never got to see them live, but I've right. seen plays and read everything about them. Yeah, yeah. TV, of course, but Les Dawson is definitely top five. He's made yeah, me yeah. laugh so much over the years, and of course, Tommy Cooper was the other one. Um, but yeah, but I've seen so many. As I said at the start, I've seen nearly a thousand, and I just love to go. And it's it, it's just wonderful. you know, two things. Yeah, one the other guy I really used to like was, and I know when I stopped doing this, I think, oh, why didn't I mention this one and that one? <laughs> I used to. I mean, I used to love, love, love uh, Bruce Forsyth oh. when he used to do Generation yeah. Game. Yeah. And yeah. Um, even play your cards right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was I, a master. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to think Clinton has that sort of slightly yeah. uh, waspish. Very much um, so. <laughs> 
you know, but, you know, I mean, let, Bruce Forsyth pe picking up people's terrible attempts at pottery. And, yeah, it's not, not really, is it? I mean, look at that. I mean, that's all coming off. I mean, it's so easy and also so warm. It's like a yeah, mistake, but it's, it doesn't matter. And, and what I love was in those days, people weren't so media savvy. Exactly. They wouldn't try to get a, a TV series off the back of being humiliated on, you know, it's just great. It's so, it's so, it's so British as well. That sort of, it's not really much of a good, and look at and what have you done here? You have the expert on, I mean, what, what do you think? One, one out of ten, you know, one for effort, you know? I mean, the, I used to, the, 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 wonderful, the wonderful thing I used to love about Bruce Forsyth Eric Morecambe did it, and Laurel and Hardy did it. Yeah, uh, Oliver yeah. Hardy. He had he had a camera right by his yes. face, so he could look at the camera and give <laughs> the audience the best reaction. And um, yeah. uh, I used to go to a lot of TV recordings, and we were very lucky to be in the first uh, "Have I Got News for You" recording with Bruce Forsyth, and nobody well, nobody knew it was him. And, I know. Uh, I was sitting above uh, Ian Hislop's desk. <laughs> There's a famous bit in it where he's trying to read an article. Da 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 da. -da. <laughs> and he can't read it, and I am crying with laughter above Ian. And he turns around and he goes, "Please, please, this is satire." And you can hear <laughs> me as clear as bell off the video. And I thought, "I'm on it." <laughs> oh mate, it was yeah. Extraordinary. It he was really, really, and of course, it's difficult for the young people to realise yeah. now. They just see he him. He was amazing. Uh, he was. I mean, you used to get 26 million people, yeah, whatever yeah, it was, yeah, watching yeah. Generation Game. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say, Rich, actually, and I meant to say earlier, uh, you know, you saying, oh, I've got it out of my system being a stand-up. Couldn't you harness that lovely joie de vie you have? And you do a character that's a heightened version of yourself. I mean, Maybe. it's all pretend. <laughs> And you do that laugh, and you do, and it's like you're a, a mad, keen comedy. Yeah, you know, there's something in that. that you just, I think, I think it could work, and it would be utterly charming. Or, or you, I mean, you enhance that laugh, and you just get more and more hysterical with the laughter. I mean, I think there's a lot in that. I think there's a lot in that. My friend. You've got Honestly, a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea, and you just get more and more hysterical. I mean, that's not the most original idea, is it? There are people who have... Do you, you remember, remember Ken Goodwin? <laughs> when he used to just collapse with his laugh. That's what I mean. Something <laughs> like that. And it's and and you just start doing the lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's so I think good. it's that's such a good there's, idea. there's something in it. I I wouldn't give up yet, mate. No, no, no. Well, you never know. You never know. You never um, know. Just before we go, and I've so much enjoyed chatting to you. I could talk to oh. you all night. Um, oh, you too, mate. <laughs> is there is thank you. Is is there anything else you'd like to say? Have you got in? You, you say you got the tour coming up, and you you got your podcast. And also, where can people find you on social media? Okay, so uh, I, yeah, okay, so uh, Real Clinton B on Twitter, Real Clinton B, uh, Barry from What, W A T, on uh, Twitter, 
uh, Alex Lowe on on Facebook. Um, I tell you what, here's something. If anybody is interested in having uh, one of those celeb dedications, cameo, memo, celeb VM. I do those as Clinton here in front of this stuff. And uh, I give a dedication. I only say it because I really make an effort. It's might, not like I go... I will have one uh, for my birthday. It's coming up. I do. I do. I do artist for you, mate. But, you know, it, 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 look, only because in these very difficult times when there's not much going on, it has sort of kept me afloat over the last few months, which has been very, a bit nerve-wracking. When does the tour start? The tour starts, oh yeah, well the tour starts on the 1st of September in Bristol. I'm going to be rehearsing in Watford, where I live, at a little theatre uh, in August. Uh, I just went today to have, to collect a cape for my silvery outfit. I've gone, Clinton has gone much more upmarket <laughs> since, since this tour. Uh, and the idea is he's come back from Vegas. So I just figured the last tour looked so homemade. And that was kind of charming, but it's nice to to kind of get bigger and better. And the venues have got bigger. Whether anyone will turn up because of COVID, I don't know. I still don't know. Well, mate, mate, I think you've got two of the greatest characters in British comedy. Oh, really great. Do. And as I said early on, um, uh, whenever you're on a bill... I always look forward to seeing you. I always know I'm going to have a great time. I'm going oh, to be great. first in the queue for the new tour. We want to Mate. see you back at Always Be Comedy soon or touring <laughs> around London. Definitely, definitely. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, You've been a wonderful guest. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Rich. My pleasure. You take right. care, my friend, and all the all best right. to you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks now. <laughs>